The Guardian. They can sniff out cancers, low blood sugar levels in diabetics, drugs, explosive chemicals used in bombs, and, as many dog owners will know, any food in a 100 metre radius. Dogs have notoriously powerful noses, with hundreds of millions of scent receptors that can pick up traces of substances at just one part per trillion. And so now, teams around the world, from Lebanon to the UK, are testing out dogs' olfactory abilities when it comes to sniffing out COVID-19. One of those putting hounds on the viral hunt is Dominique Grandjean, a professor at the National Veterinary School of Alfort in France. The first phase is to train the dog to put his nose in the cone and sniff, and so we do that with his toy. Then we put some positive sample in this cone, and the dogs are going to, for one whole week, put their nose in the um, cones, and everything is made as a game. I'm Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly. We got Dominique on the line to ask him a bit more about how you actually train dogs to sniff out a disease. Unfortunately, the audio isn't great, so sorry about that. But the first question I wanted to ask Dominique was exactly when he first decided to turn his dog's noses towards COVID-19. Well, it's, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm head of a canine sport medicine unit at the uh, vet school in uh, Alfort. And, uh, and we are working a lot on working dog. I'm also involved in search and rescue dogs since 35 years as a firefighters. And, and I've always been working on, on dogs olfaction, actually. So um, we also have a, a big program in, uh, in my vet school, which is called Nozais. And uh, the goal of the program is to develop the uh, medical detection dogs uh, in, in France. And so when, when the COVID did show up, we had a meeting, uh, it was on the 9th of March, I remember, and um, the first question was, what are we going to use as samples? So we checked everything in the bibliography, and we saw that if we took the the sweat under the armpits, there would be very few chance of, uh, of passive uh, contamination, and actually there's no passive contamination. The dog is not sensible, so um, we make so that the dogs do not touch at any moment the samples. Then we started with search and rescue dogs from different fire departments. I mean, it took us, uh, what, two weeks to consider that it was working. And uh, and that's what we've been doing for six months. <laughs> so let's get to the nuts and bolts here. What is it that the dogs are sniffing? And, you know, you say you, you take samples from people's armpits. Presumably people use an awful lot of deodorants and, and other toiletries. Uh, does that get in the way of things? The dogs are not sniffing the virus. They are sniffing the uh, effects of the virus. Uh, when the virus enters uh, a cell, the virus is replicating, also using the cell equipment to produce his own proteins, his own molecules. And these chemical molecules, they have to go out of the body and they can go out through the urine, through the feces, through the tears and through the sweat. So that's what the dogs are looking for. And there's been uh, quite a few studies in the past showing that in cell cultures, different virus were producing different odors. Let's call them uh, this way. It's uh, volatile uh, organic compounds. And that's what we are looking for. Now, to answer your questions regarding uh, the odorants and, and perfumes and so on, the key point for these dogs is to have some top quality and fresh positive samples 
in order to make the uh, imprinting. So we're going to need roughly 80 positive uh, samples that are fresh. We don't rely only on a, on a PCR positive results. We also ask samples to hospitals coming from people who have uh, clinical symptoms and uh, scan that is uh, typical, etc., etc. And if you do it this way, well, the dogs are putting in their memory this uh, specific odor, and you can put any type of deodorant or perfume. This is not a problem. It would be a problem if the people were using only one brand of deodorant and the same product. But there are zillions of different types of deodorant and perfume. So the only common odor the dogs are finding in the uh, 80-something samples that they are sniffing at the beginning is the odor of the COVID. And that's what we want to focus on that. Dominique, how do you train the dogs and what do they do once they find a positive sample? Do they sit down or bark or how do they signal that they found something? To train the dogs, we are, we are using some uh, what we call olfaction cones that we uh, developed. That's the good way to not have the dog in contact with the samples. And so the first phase is to train the dog to put his nose in the cone and sniff. And so we do that with his toy. Then we put some positive sample in this cone and the dogs are going to, for one whole week, they are going to put their nose in the um, cones so that they are uh, imprinted with the uh, specific order of the positives. And then we put more cones with some neutral, which means the, um, the swabs without anything. And then we put some negative samples and we increase the amount of cones, we increase the amount of negative samples, we put some, uh, some lines with only negatives or only positives, and everything is made as a game. In other words, the dog is getting his toy when he finds the positive. Most of the time we ask the dog to sit in front of the cone, and that's pretty easy to obtain. But if the dog is marking differently, barking or scratching or whatever, Personally, I don't care because it's uh, the important thing is to have the dog marking the correct sample. What is important is to keep the motivation of the dog and the motivation of the dog is coming through the interaction with the uh, dog handler and through the fact that he's rewarded when he works good and plays with his uh, dog handler. Happiness is the key point for working dogs. A key issue that some sceptics of this approach have raised is that you might be able to tell someone with COVID from somebody who doesn't have COVID. But can you really tell apart someone who has COVID from someone who has another virus like flu, for example? What do you say to that? We are starting right now to uh, check if the dogs are marking some people uh, with other types of virus infections or other type of chronic disease like uh, lung cancers or diabetes and so on. But... There has been some studies, a lot of studies, trying to identify the volatile organic compounds coming from different types of virus that have been put in cell culture. And each time it shows that the other print of the virus coming from these uh, volatile organic compounds is specific to the virus. What we see in terms of practical results is that there's a lot of... uh, times where the dog has been more accurate than the PCR. We've got some people with negative PCR that were marked by the dogs. Their samples were marked by the dogs and we send back the uh, anonymous number 
of these uh, samples to the hospitals and they remade the PCR and the PCR were positive. Uh, we also have some negative people that were marked by the dogs. We have uh, roughly uh, 10 cases like this where we told the hospital, okay, these people are positive for us and they couldn't get in touch with these people. But these people went back to the hospitals a few days later and they were clinically COVID-19 and most of the time they were with digestive uh, symptoms. Uh, you have to keep in mind also that, that when, you, when you look for the virus in the nose, uh, you don't look for the virus at the other end of the body. Just how accurate is this? And what kind of results are you getting with the dogs? The accuracy of the dogs is measured through uh, two terms, uh, sensitivity, which means that the dog doesn't miss some positives, and specificity, which means that the dog doesn't miss some negatives. Actually, sensitivity is the most important, and uh, the values that we obtained are between 90 up to uh, 99.5% in terms of sensitivity, and the specificity is always close to 100%. So if the sensitivity is, uh, let's say, 95%, well, it means that uh, you might have some false positive, but it's no big deal to have uh, 1 or 2% of false positives. The big deal would be to miss some positives. And actually, this is not what something that happens with the dogs. So uh, you can take that in any sense. The results are good as long as the dogs are, are well trained. You talked about how you've been using search and rescue dogs in particular to do this work. Can any dog do this or do we have to use Labradors or, or German Shepherds, the kind of dogs you typically associate with, for example, bomb detection, that kind of thing? I'm a firefighter, you know, so that's why I turn myself to uh, fire departments and I say, well, do you want to come with us and work with the uh, dogs? So that's why we have a big majority of search and rescue dogs. And these dogs, most of the time, at least in France, there are Malinois, Belgian Shepherds or Labradors. Myself, I have a Labrador. So we've been using these dogs and they have great nose. They understand everything. It's just perfect. But any type of dog, any breed, any mongrel dog is able to do that. It's just a question of training, you know, and uh, it's training and education Everything is turned into a game for the dog because if he is right, he is rewarded. And, and any dog likes to work. My goal is to say one dog will be able to work on one disease. But if we work on 20 diseases and we want to uh, test people early in, in their age for 20 diseases, it means we are going to need 20 dogs. So if we want to be useful for the whole country, we're going to need zillions of dogs. Well, these zillions of dogs are not going to be administration dogs or, or professional dogs. They can be the dogs of anybody who wants to help. And the dogs can be trained uh, with local people and, and they will uh, work on, on a locality, on a region, small cities, 3,000, 4,000 people. Well, the Myers could decide to have a dog that they provide for free to their population. We have clusters in universities in France, for example, actually, and I got a, a lot of phone calls from uh, deans of these universities saying, well, can we have a dog? I say, no, we are not, we're a vet school. We are not a training dog uh, institution, but I hope in the very next future you'll find the uh, solutions. I think very positive for, for elderly people and also for the people who are working and taking care of them. Sweat samples are, are, is easy to make. If you want to make a PCR on some of these uh, old people, sometimes it's really impossible. 
So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that in some of these retirement houses, you have, uh, you have dogs. Uh, we have a, a, a charity in France, which is called Handy Chien, Handy Dogs. Uh, they train dogs for handicapped people, and they put that, the dogs in, the, in, in these uh, houses, and the dogs are helping on a daily basis uh, all, the, all the people who are living there. Uh, these dogs could be trained. There's 400 of them. They could be trained. And, uh, and this way, you know, they can go in the rooms in the morning and just put their two uh, front legs on, on, on the bed, sniff, and, and, well, if it's positive, they will sit. If it's not, they will go to the next room. So uh, it would be an easy system that wouldn't cost anything. Uh, it's just a question of decision, decision to deploy. And, of course, put a bit of money on the table. But uh, we put so much money, actually, on the PCRs that, uh, that if we had... Uh, half a percent of that for the dogs, it would be way enough. Dominique, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been lovely to have you on. Uh, it's been a lovely time for me too, even if my English is probably not, uh, not good enough, but uh, have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Dominique and his very good English, despite the bad line. If you want to read my article about training canines to sniff out positive cases of COVID-19, head over to the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And to send us your questions about the science behind the outbreak, go to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions. And that's all one word. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.